But while you're turning there, I got to ask you a few questions tonight before we start. And uh, first question is, are you excited about your life? It's pretty simple. I mean, are you excited? Because there's some people who just feel like they merely just exist. You know, they're they're here, but there's nothing special. They're just here, and they're they're walking through life, and boy, they hardly ever smile. You'd have to, you know, you don't know whether they're. If, by looking at them, you don't know what's going on. I mean, are you dying? Or what's, tell me what's happening. And, uh, and some people, boy, they're excited every morning when they wake up. They, they wake up and they're ready to go with a smile on their face. No, and some of them don't, are not in the best health. Let me say that, by the way. They're just thankful for what God's done for them. They're thankful for another day. So are you excited about your life? Let me say it's, it's, it's yours, by the way. It's nobody. It's your life. And number two, are you moving toward a desired goal? Or are you just drifting from day to day without any sense or any direction at all? Just like a piece of driftwood. The wave goes this way. That's the way the wood goes. The wave goes that way. That's the way the wood drifts. Driftwood. See, my, my thoughts and what I've been praying and talking with God about is some of us tonight, right here in this place, there was a time in our lives where we were excited Every single day. I mean, it was like the honeymoon every day. You woke up and you were just thankful for what was laying beside you. Yeah, uh-huh. And you were just thankful every day that you've got to wake up. Almost like the children waiting on the playground, you know. They're so excited. They know they're about to go out and play. And at one time, I'm sure every one of us was like that. But maybe you're sitting here tonight and you say, not now. Something's happened. It's not like that anymore. Some may be here saying, I'm, I'm really not excited about nothing at all. Nothing excites me anymore. I, I don't care whether I'm coming or going. Don't care whether you're coming or going. I, I just nothing excites me. And I had a fellow. I was talking to a fellow about the Lord, and and he he said this to me. This is where it started. He said, "When I look at the world and look at my life, I have absolutely nothing to be excited about." And I believe. Tonight, that we can identify the problem before our lives become so boring and so stale that we find ourselves slipping into a deep depression. I believe there's a solution. I believe there's a, a problem we need to look at and why these things happen. So, in, in Acts 19, 
It's where we're going to begin tonight. And I believe we can find these problems right here. I want to ask you to stand, reverence God for His Word. I'm going to begin reading in verse number 1, and we'll read through verse 15. The Bible says, And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus, finding certain disciples. He said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? That's a problem right there. And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, Unto what then were you baptized? And they said unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, John verily baptized you with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, one Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. And all the men were about twelve. And, it went into, and he went into the synagogue and spake boldly for the space of three months, disputing and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. But when divers were hardened and believed not, but spake evil of that way before the multitude, he departed from them and separated the disciples, disputing daily in the school one of Tanaeus. And this continued by the space of two years. So they all which dwelled in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. And God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul, so that from his body were brought into the sick handkerchiefs or aprons and the diseases departed from them and the evil spirits went out of them. Then certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, took upon them to call over them which had evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, We adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preacheth. And there were seven sons, one of Skeve, a Jew and a chief of the priest which did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, Paul I know, but who are you? That's what I want to preach on tonight, God helping me, is who are you? Who are you? Let's pray together tonight. Father, Lord, we love you tonight, and we thank you for loving us. God, as we come before your throne tonight, I ask you to bless in a great and mighty way. Lord, I ask you to touch the heart that needs it the most. Father, to reach that soul that's just hanging there in the balance. Lord God, I pray you and encourage the Christian. Father, help us all tonight as we lean upon you in Christ's name. Amen. <clears throat> Who are you? That is a mighty question there. When Paul here, he arrives back at the church. He meets 12 men. They profess to be Christians. But their lives had evidence that something was missing. Now, 
I'm not here to debate whether they were saved, whether they're not. That's not what I'm after. Different theologians say different things. I, I'm not after that. What I'm after is the fact that something in their life was not there. And Paul, being filled with the Holy Spirit of God, boy, he saw it right offhand. He see these 12 men, and they're, 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 they're doing great things, obviously. But Paul says, there's just something. Joe, there's just something about them boys that just, it's just not right. They're, 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 they're missing a, the, some kind of ingredient. It's not there. And, and I got to thinking about that. And maybe it was just like some people today that claim to have faith until a tragedy hits their house. And then faith is out the door. Amen. I mean, they claim to have all this faith in the world as long as everything's going good in their life. But, but, then, but then something comes along and rocks their boat a little bit. And, and boy, I don't know nothing about Jesus. What are you talking about? Faith, faith's gone. Or maybe it's a, uh, maybe one of these men, they, they, they had a, a claim to know God. You'll find people who know God everywhere. But what they really know is they know about God. They know about Him. But knowing about Him won't do you a whole lot of good on Judgment Day. Knowing about Him won't help you. You better know Him. I, I, I talk to many people who know about God. Oh, yeah, I know about, yeah, yeah, yeah. But maybe one of these men were one of the ones that walk around singing blessed assurance. But deep down inside, they have no assurance. They have absolutely no assurance over their souls, their lives. They have absolutely none. But they walk around and sing all day long, blessed assurance. But they don't have no assurance. So maybe Paul is picking up on this, and Paul sees this, and Paul just comes out and asks them, Have you received the Holy Ghost? And I'm amazed at what the, the Bible has to say there. They said they didn't even know about this Holy Ghost. Whoa, what are you talking about? I don't even know about this. Whole, what, what, what Holy Ghost are you talking about? Now, I'm paraphrasing, but. So, they didn't even know the Holy Spirit had been given. They had believed, but they had never truly been transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit of God. Hey Amen. I'm going somewhere. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. We all know it very well. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things become new. But this is a process that we go through after salvation. I mean, what do you mean? Uh, this is what I'm talking about. If you've got an ingrown toenail tonight and you're lost and you get saved, when you get back to your pew, take your shoe off and look. That toenail's still going to be there. It's still going to be ingrown. It's not, it's not going to be like that. The toenail's still going to be the same. 
Romans 2 and 12 and 2 tells us to be, con- be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds, that you may prove what that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. But you see, it is the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit of God that works in our lives that begins to transform us. We don't transform on our own. It, 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 none of that happens by us. It don't happen like that. It, it's the working process of the Holy Spirit of God that works in and through us that begins to transform us and to make us something new. Paul's talking to the twelve. They have no idea what he's talking about. So in other words, they've repented, they've believed, but they're lacking power. I'm going somewhere and we're going to shout it out when I get there. How many people do you know that have repented, they've believed, but they're lacking power, spiritual power? I'm talking everything. Well, they pick up everything, every bad habit. They pick it all up. You got to call them down. What are you doing? You know better than do that. Well, no, I don't. You Somewhere along the line, you missed the boat then. See, it's the Holy Spirit that works in our lives. It's the Holy Spirit that draws conviction and draws us to a point of conviction. It's the Holy Spirit of God that leads us away from sinful habits. It's the Holy Spirit that leads us and tells us the path that we should go on. And we become more like Christ, not because of a prayer that we said at an altar or by a bed, but it's because of a mighty big God that sends His Spirit to live within our lives and live within our hearts. That's where the change takes place. It's when the Spirit of God draws into you. You know how many scriptures in the Bible talk about the Spirit of God? A bunch. Over 500, I believe it was. Talks about the Spirit of God. I'm just going to give you a few right here. Luke 4 and 1. We know what the story of that is. Jesus, is, uh, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led into the wilderness. This is his time of testing. It was the day of temptation, but he was led by the Spirit. The Spirit drawed him to a place. But now if you can skip down to verse number 14. Jesus returned. And what does he return with? He returns with the power of the Spirit. Boy, he left me. The Spirit drawed him to a place of temptation. But boy, when he overcomes that, he returns with power of the Spirit. On John's baptism, we see the Spirit ascending on Jesus like a dove, the Bible says. But this verse right here is what you need to hear tonight. Romans 8 and 9. But if you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. But so be that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. That's all good. Don't forget this part. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. It's none of his. I believe tonight there are many people who have had a belief, but they've never had the Holy Spirit transform, transform their life. 
I believe that in this easy beliefism we've got going on in today's world that many people have believed in a certain figure, have believed in a certain uh, 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 image of a God, if you will, but they've never been transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit of God. So Paul tells them about the Holy Spirit. He gets them straightened out. He teaches them real well. Then he begins to minister there and teach for three months, the Bible says. And God, understand, God was doing great and mighty works there. I mean, you read about works, and, and, and sometimes we read over stuff and we don't even pay attention to it. But he was blessing people, and he was healing people, and he was casting out evil spirits. And the devil himself was getting a beat down by God right here. This is, this is a picture he's painted. God's shown up. Where the devil was, God is taking him to the woodshed. Amen. And we look at verse number 12. So that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs or aprons. Now, in today's world, we'd say baloney. Because Benny Hens done prayed over enough handkerchief and sold millions of dollars worth. And people still sick that bought them. But not here. You see, not here. Because there's a difference here. There's a big difference when we look in the Word of God here. This was how God was using Paul. This was not Paul. But this was God using a man to the very best. And Paul was allowing him to be used to the full potential in which Paul had in his life. Paul knew who he was. Paul knew who he come from. Knew where he come from. But knew where God was taking him. And Paul had a clear vision of what God wanted to do through him. And Paul was just a vessel saying, here I am. Use me. If, Lord, if you want me to take a beating, I'll take a beating. Lord, if you want me to take, get stoned today, I'll get stoned today. Well, whatever it is you need me to do, Lord, just let me do it. I'll do it. Send me on the mission. And he was going. And God was just using him. I can imagine it now. Somebody, the Lord saying, Paul, pray over that tie and take it to this boy over here. And it's going to heal him right now. And Paul going, okay, okay, if, if, if that's what i got to do. And that's how God was using Paul. Now, understand, it's not Paul we're here looking at. It's God. It's God using this man. And verse number 15, we get down here. And so we see Jews that are seeing all this going on. And I can picture dollar signs going into their eyes. That's what's going on. They, they, they see dollar signs. So I'm going to make a lick off this. So they begin to do it. And they begin to call demons out in the name of Jesus. To pray in the name of Jesus. But I like how the evil spirit calls them out. He calls them out. Jesus I know. Paul I know. Who in the world are you? One author said, living a lie will come out of you sooner or later. 
Living a lie will come out of you sooner or later. Numbers 32 and 23 said it this way, but if you will not if you will not do so, behold, you have sinned against the Lord and be sure your sin will find you out. But Jesus come along and said, the truth set you free. Called out by the Spirit. Second Timothy 3 and 1. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, <coughs> fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but not denying the power thereof, for such turn away. For of this sort are they that which creep into houses and lead captivity, silly women laden with sins, led away with divers lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. I just wonder tonight, Brother Joe, if I walk in a hospital and that feeble body is stricken down, I just wonder if the if the evil spirit says, "Who are you? Who are you praying over this man, woman, boy, or girl? Who are you?" I just wonder if you crept into a room tonight and was praying over a lost family. One of the devil looks down and says, hmm, who are you? You think you got the power to bring them out of what I got them under? You think, I, you think you got the power to bring them out of that addiction I got them hooked on? Do you think you've got the power? Do you think you... I just wonder how many of us tonight that when we go in there, the evil spirit says, oh boy. Yeah, oh boy. This Jesus I know, and, and, and I know who that is. That's Paul. There's something to think about tonight. I told you I'm going to be jumping around tonight. I got. Who are you tonight? See, I can ask you tonight, and most of you would say, I'm Kara, or I'm Deborah. Or I'm David. Or I'm Joe. But let me tell you something. That ain't who you are. That's just the name you've been given. Some people, you ask them who they are, they want to tell you their life story and their career. That's not who you are. That's what you do. Where Who you are comes from the core, you see. Who you are is about what's on the inside. And it's God Almighty and Him alone that has created the core of who you are. You see, school, it didn't create the core. School taught you a lot of things, but it did not create the core. And work, it doesn't create the core of who you are. It's just something you do for a living, but it's not who you are. And mama, boy, she didn't create the core. 
She tried to teach right from wrong, but that's not the core of who I am. Daddy couldn't create the core. Grandma, grandpa can't create the core. But it's God alone that created the core of who you are. And there's reasons tonight that people feel stuck, discouraged, or adrift. There's reasons for it. There are reasons that people uh, uh, lose their happiness and joy for life. And there's reasons uh, God's people lose their hope and their sense of purpose and their sense of joy. There are reasons life has become just one long bore. And in my opinion, in my alone, people have lost sight of who God made them to be. People have lost sight of who God designed them to be and what He designed them to do. And as a result of losing the vision and of losing the sight, they have quit and they have stopped pursuing what God had planned for them. So you've got to understand tonight. God has placed more within you than you realize. A lot of us don't understand that. But the Bible says that the Holy Spirit lives within you. Where the Holy Spirit resides, there's power. we forgot that somewhere along the line. There's courage where the Holy Spirit resides. There's all these things that the Spirit of God gives us that people have lost sight of. And I'm going to say this in the nicest way as I can. You are the one that has settled for the life you have now. Don't you blame nobody. Don't you sit in here and blame nobody. Can't blame, oh, mama did this, that. Nope. You're saved. You're born again. The Holy Spirit lives within you. You've settled for what you got. If you're, if you're lifeless and you're powerless, you settled for it. Because the Spirit of God said you don't got to live that way. You don't got to live like that. You can live with power. Why do you think sometimes you can shake a man's hand and you know, that's a man of God right there. You can see them coming, and it's like they're glowing. Or a woman, too. Boy, boy, she's a godly woman. Why? Because the Spirit of God's resided in them. And they've been transformed, and they're being transformed daily by the Spirit of God. I want to point out a couple problems here, I see, and and we'll move. Number one, people are trying to be who they were not created to be. You know, we tell people, and especially our kids, you can be anybody you want to be. No, you can't. That's a lie. You can be who God created you to be. That's it. I know for a fact what God's called me to do. Brother, I would love to be a great evangelist and go out here and preach to crowds of thousands. But guess what? I don't got it in me. God didn't create me to do that. 
I can be bitter about it and cry and be jealous of everyone that comes and does and, and, and just sit around and pout. But that's not who God created me to be. But that's what I want to do. But that's not what God created me to be. It's not what He created me to do. You see, it's sort of like this. I brought these in, and, and and Todd was he was he was going, "What in the world? Are you, are you hungry? What's going on? Are you gonna be here all night? You got bring a snack?" I said, "No." What do you think these are? Apples. They look just like apples. This is what they call a jazz apple. And this is just a plum. It's not even an apple. You said a plum? Hallelujah. Somebody got it right. That's just a plum. But they kind of look alike. I mean, it was as fast as I could grab today at Walmart. But they kind of look alike. But guess what? If I take and cut this open and plant the seed that's in here, no matter, a plum won't grow on it. It won't grow. It's only going to grow a jazz apple. No matter, no matter how bad this apple wants to be a plum, it cannot be a plum. And no matter how bad this plum wants to be an apple, it cannot be an apple. Because it was created to be a plum and it was created to be an apple. Some of us tonight have been created to be apples. Some of us tonight have been created to be plums. So if you're a plum, quit trying to be an apple. And if you're an apple, quit trying to be a plum. Just be what God designed and created you to do. And for what he wants to bring glory to himself through you and being used by you. People trying to be who they're not designed to be. And number two, many people are living lives that somebody else said they were. What do you mean, preacher? Let me say it this way. That rumor she started about you, that's not who you are. And that rumor he started about you, that's not who you are. That mistake you made, that's not who you are. That's a mistake that you made. That doesn't hang around. It's just a mistake. See, I had a hard time dealing with that. And I'll tell you why. A lot of you know me, you know my background. I made a mistake that hung over my head forever. And guess what? Some of you are there or you're headed there. Because That mistake is not who you are here. But it's a mistake that people like to point out to you. 
and say that's who you are. But I just want to encourage you tonight. That's not who you are. That's not who you are. The circumstance you fell under is not who you are. The peer pressure you fell under is not who you are. All of this is just peelings. It's just peelings. Just like this. I was going to peel it, but I think I'm going to eat it for lunch tomorrow. So, <laughs> forgive me. This thing cost me off a dollar. But it's just appealing. And those mistakes and those circumstances and all that, it's just peelings. It's not the core. It's not the core. Let me tell you something tonight. Marriages are falling apart. Because people don't know who they are. Huh. What do you mean? I mean, the peeling looked good when you married it. But you didn't know what was on the core. The core was rotten. Churches are falling apart because people don't know who they are. You got apples trying to be plums, plums trying to be apples, and the core is rotten on all of them. And on and on and on. Who are you? I want you to know how God sees you. And then I'll be done. Psalms 139. You don't have to turn there. I'll read it. But if you want to turn, that's fine. I like what verse number 13 says there. For thou hast possessed my reins. Thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul keepeth right well. Number one, number one, the Lord said you're fearfully and wonderfully made. That doesn't mean you're the best looking thing in the world. Don't mean this. It don't, it's not. It's not talking about that. Amen. He said, "You were made to be perfected, not by your own self, right. but you're made to be perfected by the Spirit of God working in you. That are born again. That is. Mm-hmm. You know what? I failed you. I failed you. I failed you. I failed you." I, I failed you. Brother Todd, I failed you. But guess what? God's not dealing with me yet. He's just working. Amen. He's just working. Amen. And guess what? I'm being perfected by the Spirit of God every day. And so are you. Understand that God said you're, you're, you're wonderfully made. Well, I got this kind of problem. God didn't make no mistake. You don't have a problem. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and personally wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes, thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfected. And in, in thy book all my members were written, which in continuous were fashioned. <clears throat> when as yet there was none of them. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God! 
how great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. Surely thou wilt slay the wicked, O God. Depart from me, therefore, ye bloody men. For they speak against thee wickedly, and their enemies take thy name in vain. Do not I hate them, O Lord, that hate thee? And am I not grieved with those that rise up against thee? I hate them with perfect hatred. I count, I count them mine enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked in me. And lead me in the way of everlasting. He said, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. He said, God knows everything about you. Everything about you. Hide it from me. Hide it from the pastor. Hide it from your neighbor. God knows everything about you. And to say that, he knows your talents and how you're using them. He knows your purpose, what he's planned for you. He knows your dreams, what you want to do. But he knows your abilities, what you can do. See, we was talking about this earlier in, in Sunday school. And God is the author and finisher of your days. You were born at a particular time to a particular family in a particular location. And you're here for some reason and it's a reason that I can't work out for you. But it's going to take you and God working that out. Amen. See, you've got a purpose here. This location, God puts you in it. Whether it be for a day, whether it be for a year, whether it be forever, I don't know. But God gave you a location, a family, gave you all these things for a reason. So lastly, I want to give you five keys to becoming who you're called to be. But you just got to understand these things. Pray and meditate on them. That's what I've done. Every person has potential and purpose, number one. I don't care what she says, he says, every person's got a potential, they've got a purpose. You're in this sanctuary because you've got potential. You've got purpose. God's, God's placed you. God seemed fit to place you here. You may think you did it all on your own, but you didn't. God sent you here by some way or another. God sent you here. I don't care if it was your neighbor inviting you. I don't care if you went down the road and saw the building and said, Oh, it's pretty. I want to go there. No, God placed you here for a reason. You've got potential. You've got purpose. Now find it. Find it. Number two, every person has been created to bring God the glory. It's not about you. It's about bringing God the glory. You were purposed for that. And those things you'll only find in the core of who God created you to be. You see, I... 
if I was up here being somebody I wasn't, it's not bringing God no glory. Why? Because he sees. And he would see that I was a lie. And it goes for the same for you. If you're trying to be something you're not, God sees and it's a lie. And it's not bringing him no glory. Number three, no one can reach his or her full potential without the Father's help or part from the talents in which he's blessed you with. No person can. No person can. You can't reach it. Not by yourself. Four, no person can reach their potential without factoring their spiritual needs into the equation. What do you mean? I'm talking about discipleship. I'm talking about discipline. Discipleship and discipline. You can't reach that position. You can't reach that full potential without those. Talk about Paul here. Paul was disciplined. Five. Only the Lord knows the limits of your potential. I can't set the boundaries of what you can do. What are you saying? I'm saying get out of the box that you're in. If you're trapped in a box tonight, I'm saying get out of it. Do you want to reach your potential? Do you want to be used by God? Is it, is, is, is it a burden to you or is it a blessing to you? So tonight, let me encourage you to get out of your head and get into your heart. Find out who you are on the court. Don't find out what he said, she said about you. Find out who you are in here because that's what matters. That's the only thing that matters. And you can see what great things God can do with you. You know the reason why God used Paul the way he did? Paul, Paul got out of his head and got in his heart. He knew when he met Jesus and the Spirit of God moved in his life. That's all that mattered. Nothing else mattered but being obedient to what God had said. Church, if we would just get out of here, get into here, and get obedient with God, allow Him to use us. Get off the I can'ts or I won'ts or I'm just, I'm just not going to. That's a nice word in lazy. You'd be amazed at what God can do. But in order for God to use us, we're going to have to have a clean heart. We're going to have to be filled with the Spirit of God. And we're going to have to have a clean mind. It's going to have to be clear. What do you mean? 
I'm going to have to be thinking right. I'm going to have to be focused on God and not focused on golf. I'm going to have to be focused on God and not focused on Melrose Place. I'm going to have to be focused on God and not focused on Braves. We're going to have to be focused on God and what He wants to do with our lives instead of focused on what we want to do with our lives. I'm going to ask you to stand tonight. I don't know how God's speaking to you. But as you sit here and they get us a song of invitation, I just like for you to shut your eyes, bow your head. Uh, the Bible tells us and teaches us to, to meditate on the Word of God. And so as you think about these things, I like to just for you to ask yourself the question on Lord who am I? Am am I if I'm being true to myself? Am I being the person God created me to be? Am I being that person? Or am I being somebody that I want to be? Am I being selfish with what you've given me? You're the one giving me life. Am I using it to bring you glory or am I bringing myself glory? What's going on, Lord? Ask yourself that question. Meditate on it. Let God speak to you. Maybe God's here tonight. Well, I know God's here. Maybe you're here tonight and God's been, He's been dealing with you and He's wanting to use you and boy, He is begging you to answer the call. Maybe it's just you here tonight and God's saying, you know what it is that I've asked you to do. He's just wanting you to answer. Father in heaven, God, I love you and I thank you for the love you shared with me. God, I, I ask you to speak to every heart here tonight. God, by the Spirit of God, I pray you would draw them to a place where they would just ask themselves, are, are they in the will of God? Are, are they there? Are they being somebody totally not who they are supposed to be? God, I pray you give direction to your saints. I pray you would encourage them, Lord, just to do what they can to bring you glory. Lord, maybe here with one that doesn't know you, Lord, they, they, they're, they're confused. They, they, they've believed but Lord, they've just never felt that conviction. They've never felt the drawing of the Spirit. They've never felt the presence of the Spirit of God in their hearts and in their lives. God, I pray tonight would be the night that they just wake up and realize they need the Spirit of God in their hearts. Lord, I ask you to bless at this time to bless your people. We ask in Jesus' name for his sake. Amen.